credits rolled 14 minutes ago, and I'm ready to talk about it. <laughs> Perfect. We have to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flicks podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 1990 superhero cult classic, Darkman. Darkman. Which is how he says his own name at the oh, end. Oh, yeah. So if you're listening for the first time, uh, welcome. And uh, last time we talked about um, Superman and previously we reviewed Batman. And jokingly, we were like, yeah, let's combine it and review a movie called Darkman. And then well, we are like, well, we... we did the the Dark Knight, you know, yeah, Batman being the Dark Knight, and then mm-hmm. Superman being the Man of Steel. Yep. And yeah, we made a pun about when well, next we're going to do Dark Man. Turns out it's an actual movie. An actual movie that I saw. It was recommended to me after I watched Batman on Netflix, actually. I was like, why does that sound familiar? And apparently it was something that was played in my childhood when they were playing movies on TV. Um, and after watching this movie, I am assuming I watched a severely edited version of that. Um, yeah, unless uh, like your daycare had HBO running. <laughs> oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Oh. Uh, but in case you didn't watch Darkman, we'll give you a quick synopsis. Um, when thugs employed by a crime boss lead a vicious assault on Dr. Peyton Wilder, played by Liam Neeson. Yeah, Liam Neeson. He said Liam Neeson. That's right, you guys. Liam Neeson uh, was a star of a superhero film that's not taken. Fun fact for you. Um, and that vicious assault led him literally and psychologically scarred. An emergency procedure allowed him to survive. But upon his recovery, Wilder can find solace only by returning to his scientific work, developing synthetic skin and seeking revenge against the crime boss. He assumes a phantom Avenger persona called Darkman, who with malleable facial qualities is able to infiltrate and sow terror in the criminal community. Hmm. Now, that, that's a pretty good synopsis. <laughs> okay. Um, if I'm just thinking through it, uh-huh. scientist has a girlfriend. The girlfriend, oh, played by Frances McDormand, by the way. Uh-huh. Was awesome. A Fargo uh, fame. Fargo fame. Uh, she was also in Hail Caesar recently as oh, really? uh, the editor. Yeah. Um, anyway, scientist has a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Uh, girlfriend has an important piece of paper mm-hmm. that a really rich guy needs in order to build his super city really rich guy has these thugs that we don't know are his thugs but those thugs go after the paper and end up blowing up the scientists uh hideout he was in the hideout they kill him oh by the way the scientist uh his specialty is designing skin he he (laughs) he has a Quite yeah, a specialty. You know, some people go into biology, some people go into chemistry. He goes into just skin printing. I yeah. want to be a skin printer. <laughs> he has basically a 3D holographic printer that makes skin. Yeah. Which is really convenient when his all gets burnt away. Uh, so, yeah, he, he tries to wear skin. Now, here's where the plot starts to... Get overly complicated. Yeah, this is where it starts to get overly complicated. This is where 
complication begins. So it's not just like a burn victim is running around in a uh, a skin suit that he printed out for himself. That would be too simple. The skin can only hold its form for 99 minutes unless it is in the dark. And then it can go just a little bit longer, it seems like. Yeah, it'll hold its shape until, like, enough light hits it, and then you bubble up and sizzle. It causes problems. A lot of rules. <laughs> a lot of rules to this fake skin. Yeah. <laughs> but once it's on, it's super convincing. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it was... I was really impressed with it. Um, and before we go too much in, more into um, just our reactions of it, I'm going to give you guys some... Pretty interesting history. This movie was directed by Sam Raimi uh, from Evil Dead fame and the Spider-Man franchise. And basically in the early 90s, you know, even before Batman, Sam Raimi really wanted to do a comic book superhero adaptation. Uh, More specifically, he wanted to do an adaptation of The Shadow. Uh, For those who don't know, The Shadow was like, one of the inspirations kind of for Batman, the shadow was like old school radio play. So the shadow, um, much like dark man, he is a vigilante crime fighter appearing in a wide variety of media. Uh, most popularly he was in uh, radio, um, pulp magazines way back in the day. Uh, one of the first issues date back to 1939. Um, and, was also one of the inspirations for Batman and Raimi wanted to originally kind of wrote the script with the shadow in mind, but he could not secure the rights. And he also wanted to do a Batman film, but also could not secure the rights. Uh, so he said, you know what? It's 1989. I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to create my own superhero movie. And then we got the gift to your eyes and ears. Dark Man. Um, Dark Man was made with a $14 million budget uh, and it grossed about uh, $50 million worldwide. And it was Sam Raimi's first big budget film because he had done the Evil Dead movies for like $3 million because horror movies are super cheap to make. Very so, cheap. Most of your money is tied up in corn syrup. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you buy that in bulk and you can get it pretty cheap, Yeah, I assume. And so this movie was kind of his biggest budget film that he had worked with on the time. And so all, all the helicopter shots and scenes you see or like the steam coming out of the pipes, like he talked about in the interview. He's like, man, I was able to do things like put steam in pipes and make water drip and get helicopter scenes. That I you was don't able see. to put <laughs> steam in pipes. <laughs> It's very important, though, to keep in mind, he wanted to make a comic book movie. Mm-hmm. And the characterization, the dialogue, the explosions are all very comic book-like. Um, so that that's important to keep in mind. It may seem cheesy, but it had a mm-hmm. purpose. That's why a lot of the characters actually just talk to themselves. Oh, yeah. Well, another interesting thing that I noticed is, like, the whole montage scene of, like, his like cells kind of like fi- backfiring and him like figuring out like how everything works reminded me. I'm like, Oh, this is Sam Raimi's style because he did the exact same thing in Spider-Man when um, they had the whole montage of Peter Parker becoming Spider-Man. You see like all these spider um, montages of graphics, like flying across the screen. I'm like, Oh, like 
this is Raimi's style. Like this, I've seen this before. This looks very familiar. And mm-hmm. he's done it before because that's kind of like one of his things. It's really interesting because like, to me, the 90s were such a special place of possibility. Because if you wanted to make a movie about anything, I feel like the 90s was just the realm of possibility where that would happen. Interesting. Like, hey, you know what? I have this idea. What if we got this guy trying to buy a toy for his son? Also, that guy is on a Schwarzenegger. You can do it. It's the 90s. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, we've we've done some pretty interesting 90s films on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, this one... This one is extra special. Oh, yes. Uh, I would say it has more exposed teeth than I expected. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, like um, like the movie, like five to maybe ten minutes into the movie, I just wrote down in my notes, I love this film. <laughs> it is just so over the top in so many different ways. It very much feels like a comic book movie. Like, people talk about Deadpool and how, like, wow, like, Deadpool's such a great comic book movie. Because of being true to the source material, it's witty, it's fun, it's over the top, but it's awesome. And I feel like this movie does the same thing. Like, in the world of comic books, like, things are just very over the top and violent and crazy. Um, But, like, it, it... it fit the it fit the picture to me of standard eighties action movies, mm-hmm. but also being like a very gritty superhero movie. Like they turned like an eighties action movie into a superhero movie that turned out really well. Like and and that that's kind of my first reaction to the film. If I were to try to weave it into one of our segments, yeah. Uh, let's talk briefly about some of the uh, casting choices that were oh, made. Oh, yes, please. So Bill Paxton, <laughs> that old son of a gun, he uh, was almost cast as the Peyton Westlake character slash Darkman. Um, and uh, he told his friend, Liam Neeson, about the audition. And Neeson got the role. And they were not happy friends anymore because Paxton was pretty angry that <laughs> Neeson stole the role. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Uh, some other people that were considered uh, Bruce Campbell being, you know, tight with Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi wanted Bruce Campbell to play the role, but the producers were like, I don't know if he can handle it, um, <laughs> which is uh, tough to hear. Yeah. Tough to hear. Uh, so uh, Julie Hastings is the character that Francis McDormand plays. Uh, which is interesting that she's from Fargo, and the Cohen brothers also did some uncredited doctoring on the finished script. Hmm. It's interesting too. So there's that Fargo tie-over, but it was almost Julia Roberts instead of Frances McDormand, but she got cast in Pretty Woman, and they had to replace her. So she went from Dark Man to Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman, walking Walk down the street. the street. Oh man. <laughs> Dark man. <laughs> he's a dark man and he's a pretty woman walking down the street. New segment, Randy Newman soundtrack <laughs> time. He's a dark man. He's got a fedora. Look out for that clock. 
Because it's gonna be time up. Got a trench coat, but no skin. He's fedorable. <laughs> the fedorable dark man. Patent pending on fedorable. Fedorable. <laughs> yeah, also for Julie, uh, Demi Moore and Bridget Fonda were also considered for the role. The music is really good, though. The music is Danny Elfman. Yeah. Well, there was a... I saw a twinge of... Uh, of Batman soundtrack. I heard just a twinge of it because Darkman's the soundtrack, I heard like the like very similar kind mm-hmm. of cadences and tones. I was just like, this this sounds awfully familiar to me. Yeah. Now there's there, there's one thing I need to talk about. Okay. I need to talk about the script. <laughs> Uh, do you? Do, do you need to talk about th- this script? I need script? to get it off my chest. <laughs> I need to talk about this script. Please do. Now, let me preface this by saying when you and I created this podcast, mm-hmm. we said we don't want to be just another channel or podcast that was created by guys that love movie but end up sounding like they hate movies. Uh-huh. We love movies. We recognize that every movie is a miracle. Mm-hmm. But we also recognize that some miracles are more miraculous than others. <laughs> we we have not liked every movie equally. Correct. That being said, this movie is not complicated in story, no. I would say. No. The most complicated thing is explaining how the skin works. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, told by uh, Dr. Exposition, MD. Yes, who then gets shot in the head because his role is complete. <laughs> Uh, that's what you do with the exposition when it's done. I'm going to read you uh, some text that I, I found also on IMDb mm-hmm. uh, about the script. Okay. And I'll let you just glean from it. It's a quote from Sam Raimi. Um, I'll, I'll, you'll know when the quote part kicks in. So it says, the script went through 12 drafts overall. The reason, because Sam Raimi wanted to explore Darkman's arc over the course of the film. So here's the quote. Sam Raimi says, I decided to explore a man's soul. In the beginning, a sympathetic, sincere man. In the middle, a vengeful man committing heinous acts against his enemies. And in the end, a man full of self-hatred for what he's become, who must drift off into the night, into a world apart from everyone he knows and all the things he loves, end quote. Hmm. 12 drafts. And he got there. The movie got made. But I think looking at his actual quote of that arc, that is a very strong arc that Mm -hmm. we see in a lot of different films. I think you could make an argument that even like Batman kind of fits that arc. Yeah. Uh, Maybe not as vengeful unless you're talking like Joe chill joker type stuff but he uh definitely has this similar kind of self-loathing am i doing the right thing that anyway i did not get that (laughs) from the first (laughs) watching of this movie um but having him explain it i see it in a much deeper sense Mm -hmm. and i can respect that he put the time and the diligence into 12 drafts of dark man oh yeah because as you hear all the time in writing classes, writing is rewriting, and you just rewrite it until it's right. Mm-hmm. That last right was spelled differently than all the <laughs> other previous rights. Yeah, well, I mean, the movie stylistically 
is really interesting because I I also didn't get that from that. I, I got a revenge story mm-hmm. more than anything else. It felt more like the Punisher. Yes. But like the Punisher meets Two Face, but instead of Two Face, it's like three fourths face. <laughs> what you're saying kind of speaks to like the time mm-hmm. as well. Because at the time, um the big superhero movie that kind of came out around there um was batman like batman was the most recent film actually after bat the success of batman actually got other studios interested in his script more Mm -hmm. um so i think that um with that there's a lot of well we kind of have to be like batman in certain ways um which you know has happened with movies trying to replicate what is successful. We see it nowadays with like, hey, listen, the Nolan films, they did great. It's like, yeah, they told a really great Batman story. They made it like a crime story. It's like, no, 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 no. It's dark and gritty. Everything's dark and gritty now. Mm -hmm. And so they're like pulling different things from that. I think this film, for my guess, because again, I, I wasn't watching a whole bunch of movies at this time, but like, I think in order for it to kind of have its identity, because, you know, Sam Raimi comes from a horror movie background. Like that's kind of his bag. And so for him to kind of come out of that into more of an action superhero movie, um, and this being his first one that kind of broke the mold in that, uh, in his experience, uh, has a lot to do with his style and his vision of, telling what he described in the way that he did it it's so hard to break out a genre too so so he goes from horror to action there's been another person that's done that in recent memory uh m night Shyamalan, Mm. who who jumped from horror to well thriller i should say a suspense thriller to last airbender which was Ooh. like a very Hollywood action. Didn't even feel like him. Some would say that movie was a thriller. <laughs> you were horrified the whole time. I was terrified. No. Um... <laughs> but then followed up by After Earth, which still didn't feel right. And then he starts to get back into his style with The Visit. Mm-hmm. It There's something to be said about like sticking to your wheelhouse while also expanding and exploring. And it's amazing that Raimi was able to make that transition because who knows what doesn't happen if he doesn't even try. Right. So he so he has he did horror very well. Like he that was his style. He branches into this mixed reviews for sure. It's mm-hmm. fine. I mean, they ended up making three movies out of it, so couldn't be all bad. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> um and then they he moves on to do straight action with Spider-Man. So Right, And if those Spider-Man movies don't get made, we don't get the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans, we don't get all kinds of... Maybe we don't get Spider-Man being incorporated into future Avengers movies. Like, who knows what that kind of caused down the road. But this is definitely a linchpin and a bridge mm-hmm. uh, in the career of Sam Raimi. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. Um, and I, I'll also add on, I think that this movie, despite its success um it really impacted a lot of people um it went on to uh, be pitched as a tv series it went on to uh, be two sequels and this is word for word what the sequels are called dark man 2 colon 
The Return of Durant. Oh, colon. <laughs> and Darkman 3, colon, Die, Darkman, Die. Die, Darkman, Die. And I've seen that poster, and if it was grammatically correct, it would have commas in it. Oh, sorry. It did say, Die, comma, Darkman, comma, Die. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and then the movie then went on uh, to be picked up as a TV series. Only one episode was ever recorded, and then it kind of went away from there. But there were two Marvel Comics series based on Darkman. Hmm. And Darkman even made his way back to uh, Sam Raimi's other titular character, Ash, from Evil Dead. And it was Darkman and Ash versus the Evil Dead. Oh, he's got a friend. Yeah. Or sorry, uh, Darkman versus Army of Darkness is what it was magically called. Oh. I just made it up because Ash versus the Evil Dead is now on TV. Sponsor. Not a sponsor. Um, uh, the Army of Darkmanness. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be great. <laughs> and as of 2010, uh, you can get a Blu-ray of the of Darkman. So, wow. there's well, that. Which... That Blu-ray will include a deleted scene about one of the henchmen uh, because this is one thing that I really appreciated about the film was the way that Sam Raimi treated uh, the bad guys. I actually was more interested in the bad guys than I was in most of Darkman. So the uh, each bad guy has its own thing, whether it's like the nervous guy or the one-legged guy oh or gosh. Durant, the kind of the what's set up to be the big villain for most of it um has a thing where he has a cigar he has a cigar cutter but he uses that cigar cutter to also cut off fingers and keeps them as trophies and Raimi said he just wanted something specific he wanted to make a specific trademark for a villain and it's great he said the idea was that he has some kind of military background which is why he deals in arms um but he's able to like keep trophies from these people the same way that you would keep medallions and it's such a great specific thing. But the first moment, whenever the like the wooden leg is ripped off and oh used as a gun, so great. Anyway, oh, yeah. well, the, the the deleted scene, all the henchmen are killed. Spoiler alert! By the end of the movie, because Darkman will have his revenge. Um, but you never see the wooden leg guy die. You never see that. But in the bonus features, they confirm that Darkman kills him with his own leg. Ah, oh, that would have been great to see. They probably say something like, looks like I got the leg up. Ah! <laughs> because there's a lot of that in this movie. Oh, man. Yeah. So when the movie opens up, you don't even see Liam Neeson yet. Like in the first five minutes of the movie, they want you to know who Durant is. They want you to know, listen, there is a bad guy. And he is the bad guy of all bad guys. Um, and he's like the mob person. And he shows up. Um we have standard bad guy evil layer opening, and then his henchmen uh, get out of the car from what had to have been a trench coat outlet, because uh, <laughs> everyone was wearing a trench coat. Like, if people were to go back and look at this movie as a historical document, they'll say, hmm, apparently people wore trench coats a lot in the 90s. Uh, um, you're going to like the way you look, I guarantee you. <laughs> exactly. And then the prosthetic leg machine gun... Then initiating the bust of the guy saying, kill them! And cars shooting out of these crates. 
Yeah, that was the plan all along. That was the, that was the plan from the beginning. I, I just after that I said I love this film. It's so over the top, and I know exactly what I'm getting into. There's the school of thought that there are two types of features that get made. You have movies, which are typically made for the general public, and then you have films, which aren't necessarily intended for mass audiences, but are meant to be seen more as kind of like high art, more so. Like these are the, basically the ones that get nominated and win Oscars, you know. And this movie is definitely a movie. Uh, not to, like, downplay it or anything, but just, like, as soon as I saw the machine gun prosthetic leg, I said, I know exactly what kind of movie I'm getting into. I just need to sit back, grab some popcorn, and just watch this. Just watch things happen. Right. And um, And from then on, we get 90s 3D printing, which points to the future that we actually live in because 3D printing was just fiction. It was just sci-fi. It's like, oh, well, someone could create a prosthetic nose. Like, that we, we can... Like, that just happens every day. Like, there are personal 3D printers that exist nowadays that can do what this movie was like. Oh, yeah, there'll be, like, holograms and all these 3D mapping things. And it's like, wow. Like, we live in the future. And the question I had for you is if you notice this in 90s action films, mm-hmm. miniature models of things for the future. Oh my goodness, I was <laughs> going to say the same thing. I was like, if it was your bread and butter to make the evil lair plans that the villains always have, like, I'm going to make this shopping mall, <laughs> Yeah, you would have cleaned up. Seriously, like I, I saw that and I was like, man, you don't see, you don't see a good model, a full scale model of what is to come in the future, uh, nearly as much. I feel like that should be like the sign of. I think we might be the future set of a bad guy. I think a superhero might come in and thwart our plans. Yeah, but if you make little models for villains. It's great. Unless, I mean, it totally kind of takes the wind out of their sails if you imagine the villain hand-painting it themselves. Oh, yeah. Like, that's just the... <laughs> that's just the, the villain... Like, there's, like, a Hobby Lobby type. All right, <laughs> villains, we're going to get together. We're going to build a full-scale model of what you want to eventually, like, have your plan end up being. I need a silo and uh, for you to point me towards the acrylic paint. <laughs> oh yeah I, I i love that just like a, this is the only thing i have to look forward to at the end of the day it's like their calming practice that allows them to take over the world with such composure <laughs> yeah so the movie i think i feel like the henchman part of the movie and like the bad guy part of the movie um plays very much like standard 80s action film with like gang related mob related bad guy storyline and then the superhero part of it is actually really really uh impressively interesting because like dark man the thing that kind of came to mind to me was like oh well dark man kind of has batman's origin story except he has the disfigurement as well also yeah it's basically the same story if um his parents were his face right yeah <laughs> 
yeah, he lost his face, and then, yeah, it's the exact same thing. Also, he doesn't really have any martial arts skills, and he's not great at detecting stuff, but he does have uh, that radio thing that can listen from really far away. Yeah. I used to always want that kind of, that that spy kit thing that they had, that they advertised in, in between Nickelodeon programs. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I... I always wanted one of those things, but never got it. And now I know why, because my parents didn't want me to become Dark Man. At least I assume that, or they didn't want me to get arrested for crime. That's how most people get arrested. <laughs> you sir are arrested for crime. <laughs> oh goodness. Uh, but yeah, the, the um, an interesting thing that I noticed about this movie is like. The green screen is not the best. No, it's not. But those prosthetics, though. Prosthetics were great. I mean, the practical effects were amazing. Like, Raimi's, uh, like, um, practical effects and makeup crew, a top-notch job. Like, any time that his face started to bubble, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I was caught off guard. Like, Mm -hmm. every single time it happened, I'm like, oh, uh, I guess that's happening. And his face looks like soup. (laughs) <laughs> yeah like exactly like it some of the things that were happening were really jarring and um and you look that like a movie like deadpool for example deadpool um his face is supposed to be like severely disfigured and mm-hmm. scarred and everything and if you look at deadpool like he he looks pretty good he still looks he very looks much old yeah. yeah he looks a lot like ryan reynolds still in the face just a little redder and blotchier but like dark man like his face is gone he doesn't have lips no he doesn't have a side of his mouth because of the accident he like he lost most of his face and the movie like made that part of his character and they the makeups it was just solid it was just really solid and yeah. I, I liked what they did with that as a character choice to move mm-hmm. him forward. And, and his mask work was just good. It, like him like recreating those masks and whatever 90s technology, um, 90s futuristic technology that he had that could just 3D print these faces. Here's the thing, Dark Man. You patent this. <laughs> And you sell it. <laughs> you do something constructive. You get on Oprah, have a book deal, and then you don't have to have this kind of movie made about you. Yeah. Then you have a film made about you. Yeah. Yeah. And they say, the winner is <laughs> Dark Man. <laughs> Woo! Although that version of it would probably be called My Name is Dark Man. Oh, yeah, you're right. You, you you hearing this Hollywood? You're looking for more. You're looking for more uh, properties, and you're like, oh, there are no more superheroes. Well, we got you an Academy Award winning film right here, Dark Man. Yeah, the makeup though was so into. It was a ten piece makeup kit that he had to wear, and because of that, it took so long to get on. They would do eighteen hour days of shooting, just brutal, <sighs> brutal schedule. Goodness, uh, yeah. But Liam Neeson wow. liked it, uh, that's, reportedly. That's they, a lot of they, makeup. Yeah, they said that he, he yeah. liked the challenge of having Ugh. to like act behind a mask, but uh, the false teeth were pretty difficult. Oh, yeah. Man, another thing I want to comment on, um, 
like because you talked about like the villains and having uh the villains be very well thought out like each care each villain had like a personality trait and just a motive the the guy who collected the fingers Mm -hmm. now were you under the impression that he was using the same cigar lighter thing yeah i didn't think he had multiple then uh, why would you like do you is that just something you thoroughly clean after you chop someone's finger off with it i probably wipes it off yeah interesting okay just to confirm because i was not clear on uh what the protocol was yeah so you think he's like smoking blood basically yeah yeah, that's good. That's going to affect the overall product. Yeah. It's like high in iron. <laughs> yeah. I think my um my favorite moment in the movie is when uh Darkman's <laughs> <laughs> what it's is... like Philip Darkman. <laughs> CPA. Uh, hello, my name is uh, Philip Darkman. <laughs> Oh, I studied at Columbia. <laughs> oh, you're the skin guy. <laughs> uh, yes, the skin guy. <laughs> you know, not many people specialize in skin. Uh, Dr. Darkman, PhD. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, so this movie, uh, like we were saying before, it, it 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 does play on a couple of different movie tropes. Um, my favorite being the um <laughs> Darkman's uh, love interest, Julie, was saved by um, construction ex machina. Uh, she was <laughs> she was about to fall off. And it's like, oh, no, good thing these random poles were here to save her. Cause she had- I was looking at that. There's no way no. that her hands catch there. No. She would have hit the pole with her legs, yes. spun off, and died. <laughs> at best, she grabs it and then swings down, but she doesn't land cleanly. No. And also, the those poles have like being that heavy to hold her, like uh, like just like the weight counterweight thing, like it would have just tipped over and she just would have died. Yeah, she does not make it out of there. No, 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 in the real world. And um, in the movie, I don't know if you got this kind of vibe, but it felt like the guy who was dating Julie was. It was supposed to be a secret that he was behind everything. Yeah, but it seemed pretty secretive. But I was like, but as soon as he mentioned something to her, they went to his lab to get that all of the those papers that I don't know why he had it. That was never really explained. That was her paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, the one with the coffee stain. Yeah. So, unless that was, unless he was staying at her lab, or like I think it was supposed, I think we were led to believe like he slept at his lab. There's no reason why that would be. Like, I, I was very confused by that. I, I thought that that Peyton's lab was also where he lived. Okay. Well, that makes more he, sense. He like worked from home. Okay, yeah, like a graphic designer, <laughs> right? Well, he yeah. he was he was he was a a grafting a skin, a grafting a, a, designer, a skin grafting designer. Oh my goodness! You're welcome, movie. Yeah, when they put the coffee down on that paper, I was like, "Well, that's probably important." <laughs> 
Yeah, well, that, that that's kind of like another thing of non-digital, um, a non-digital medium, and like how things like that can be traced back. Like, oh, I know this is mine because of the coffee stain. Yeah, 1990, it's a coffee stain. In 2016, it's uh, like backtracing the IP address. Yeah, overall, I really, I, I, the movie was very over the top, and. Um, one thing that Sam Raimi has talked about in his portrayal of Spider-Man, for example, is that he was really dedicated to um, making the character feel real um, or the people feel real. Um, and he does this in different ways, but like the villains, like as over the top as they were, I felt like they were really those people. When Durant started like chopping off the guy's fingers, he's like... Now let me tell you some of my rules. One, slice. I don't do well with this, that, the other. Two, slice. I'm going to do whatever I want. Three, I have seven more things to tell you. Slice. Dark man. I'm like, oh. Who, what? This is a good cold open. I love that cold open. Like, the characters are, they, they do feel real to that world. Kind of in the vein of, like, Quentin Tarantino characters. I felt like Tarantino and Sam Raimi, if they ever got together and made a movie... It would just be too much. It would be too yeah, much. But like, a lot. but to the to the same credit, like they they make their very over the top characters feel very real, um, just based off of small small little choices. So that's just something I really appreciated about the film. And uh, and now we're gonna go into the segment of the show where we go over some head cannon. Head cannon. I am the head cannon. Ed Cannon. Yeah, his voice never really recovered from the smoke inhalation. He really didn't. Really nope. didn't. <laughs> All right, some Head Cannon. Yeah, so Head Cannon is a part of the show where we talk about unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the movie. Uh, my main Head Cannon uh, is that this movie... All right, so hear me out. So Liam Neeson is most known for his role as... Uh, Oscar Schindler. <laughs> You're right. Oh goodness! For okay, fair. Um, he is also known as um the dad from Taken. Yes. Um, I'm gonna look up his name real quick. Yeah. Uh, Brian. Brian? No. Brian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Brian. <laughs> I know. Like it's I, not like Jack Bauer <laughs> or anything like that. Like, He's Lee, Brian. Like, I, I've always seen in that movie, like, no, Liam Neeson goes and gets his daughter. No, Brian? Brian uh, Mills, <laughs> though. Mills. Brian, okay, so <laughs> Brian, So the the movie is about Brian doing all these things, right? So mm. my headcanon is this. Dark Man is a prequel to Taken. Okay, a prequel. Yeah, so the, all the things that happen in Dark Man happen in this very large and over-the-top kind of world. And I would credit that to the city, similar to Gotham. Like, Gotham is the city where all these crazy things happen. Gotham and Metropolis. Like, there are surrounding cities that don't really get that much focus, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would say that uh, whatever city that Darkman takes place in, that's that. That's the city. And so after all those things happen, Darkman actually perfects the formula. And he does get his face back, but everyone who would have known him or know that face is dead. So he starts a new life. Like he moves over. And he's he joins the 
government ops and he's really good at his job because he still has some of those like nerve ending um superpowers basically oh yeah we didn't touch about it. he can't feel pain by the way right. that's kind of a, a big thing yeah too. he can't feel pain and because of that he could be super strong because of adrenaline or at least that's what um dr exposition told us mm-hmm. um but yeah and so then he starts a life and he kind of settles down and he actually has a life that he enjoys but then his daughter kim gets kidnapped and then he gets back into the game, not as Darkman, but as Brian Mills. Wait, was his daughter's name Kim? Yep. Yeah, this is really making me realize how little I actually paid attention to the character's name. Well, I was just curious because uh, in 24, the daughter's name is also Kim. No way. Yeah. Eliza Couscous is Kim? <laughs> yes. Awesome. Alicia Cuthbert. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Alicia Couscous. Yeah. Brian. I can't get over that. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to all the Brians out there. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm, like, I see. <laughs> like, Brian. <laughs> like, when I. When I it's just in my brain. It was always Liam Neeson. Like it was like a two, like me, Brian Mills. Okay, so it's like this in the Matrix. Um, Keanu Reeves, his character, we know him as Neo, but yeah. his real name, like in the world of the Matrix, is Tom. Tom Anderson. Yeah, like. But here's the thing. He's like, yeah, so then Tom went over and fought Agent <laughs> Smith. Good point. <laughs> See, Good point. It, it takes away so much of the, like, oh, this super awesome. No, but Neo, man, he fought Agent Smith and this at the other. You say Tom did it. Uh, Agent Smith's name was actually Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's my headcanon. How about yours? Oh, I honestly was not prepared for headcanon this week, and now I'm so derailed by the Brian thing. Man, I'm I'm tempted to do the my default of like he was really the same person, but I I honestly don't think it holds up in this story. Well, it, well, here's the thing. If uh, let's tag team this, how about this? All right, there was an accident for like that caused like his scarring and everything. But it was his own doing, and he fabricated all the villain stuff. Yeah, I think the psychotic break really makes sense. I think Durant plays a huge part into it, though. Um, the fact that he tries to become Durant and like steal his own face. So I think if you're going to do the the Fight Club theory, then uh, Durant and and Darkman are actually the same person. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. I don't know. For some reason, I just don't have the gusto behind it because I like Durant so much as his own character. Yeah. I mean, Durant is such a character in his own that, like, the involvement of the two of them um, really is strong. Like, they they work better if they are separate, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, we found I, it. We found the movie that would... that would trump... I mean, it does. I'm just not excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> No, and even the fact that uh, Peyton or Darkman can replicate his voice so easily, yeah, 
kind of makes me think like, okay, the real one then is the. I think the real one would be Durant mm-hmm. between the two of them. I'm sorry for doing this. I'm going back to the Brian thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> I, I think I fa- I think I cracked the code. If you call anyone by just their first name, it takes yeah. a lot of like. Hey Clark, like no no one named Clark is going to be like a superhero. But like Cl- I pick the name, yeah. But Clark Kent is like, "Oh, I-, I feel like that's someone who I would acknowledge and respect." There's a point in Darkman, so Robert Durant is the name of the villain. Mm-hmm. Somebody calls him Bob, and it's like, "Uh, and pay some respect." Yeah. You know, he he cuts fingers off, you know, as a <laughs> Bob? Hobby. Like the like, the builder? Bob the finger cutter. <laughs> All right, now we're going to the part of the show where we uh, do second take titles, uh, where we come up with alternative titles for this movie. Not alternative titles, but more so alternate titles uh, for this movie. And I really think that this movie could have easily been called. Um, well, here, there's, let me let me build up to it. Okay. So Darkman, right? Right. He gets his name because he can only have his face on in the dark. Even though he wears it to, like, parks and the carnival. Yeah. Yeah, not a real fan of the name. I guess he just... He, no, it's poorly named. Uh, he doesn't use the the face that much in the dark. Yeah, like, at all. In fact, like, it feels like he went with his first draft of what he thought would be a cool superhero name. Yeah, <sighs> he needed to, like, test it 11 more times. At least. So here's what I think he could have gone with. Uh, I think because he says, I'm everyone... And a no one, everywhere, nowhere, call me. And then he says, Dark Man. Like, okay, sure. But what I would have called him, what I think would have been a better movie title, would have been The Mask. Oh, yeah. Come on, like, I think that it's just, it's just way better. And that's what most of the movie is, is about him putting on a mask. Yeah. Um, But there's that. He also... Puts on and takes off a lot of different faces. <laughs> so I call it face off. I want his face <laughs> off. <laughs> Just watch the trailer of face off. And you'll know. <laughs> you'll know. You will know. Uh, yeah, he, the, the bandages we haven't really talked about a whole lot. Oh, yeah. I'd like to call him Gaza Ghoul. Yeah. Well done. Gauze Yeah, either that or like the dermatologist <laughs> or have the movie just be called Skin Deep or something. Ooh. Like that. Yeah. I like that. Or just go back to the beginning. <laughs> Fedorable. <laughs> Liam Neeson is Fedorable. Coming this fall. Mondays on NBC. <laughs> Oh, I love it. All right, now we're going to move on to the part of the show where we talk about recast or remake. If this movie were to be made today, uh, what would the story be? And who would you cast? I like the idea of this being a transition movie for an actor Mm -hmm. from one type of role into another. Yeah. And so I don't know why this name pops into my head, but I would... I'd like to see Will Forte take a crack at it. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Wow. 
just see him getting like really sad and oh yeah i'd also like to see will arnett for the same reasons yeah so he can basically be a batman character in more than one film yeah his voice is already raspy oh yeah i mean he would actually do really well i yeah it would be interesting to see him do that uh as a serious role you're right so one last thing oh one last uh kind of game before we wrap up this episode um you know Liam Neeson's character, Darkman, uh, Darkman, uh, wore a lot of masks. Yes, he did. So you you could wear a mask just from 3D printing, any uh-huh. just a picture, just a picture of anything. Yeah. So who would you choose the to 3D print the face of to wear for 90 minutes? Oh, that's easy. Uh, season two, Luke from Modern Family. <laughs> I would have to say Will Smith. Here's the thing. I would announce that I'm on board to do uh, the Fresh Prince remake, Fresher Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> and then he has to do it. Nice. Yeah, I'd be someone like Hugh Jackman, mm-hmm. but like it's only the face. The body stays the same. Uh, yeah. And so they'd be like, what, is Hugh Jackman sick? Like, why <laughs> Why does he look like that? Oh, he's doing that for another. For I think he's doing that for a role. I think they're doing a Lay Miz too. Oh yeah, I've been waiting for that sequel. <laughs> <laughs> so in our final segment, reasons to recommend. Uh, Grayson, why would you recommend this movie? Liam Neeson. <laughs> I really only watched it for Liam Neeson. It's so interesting to see the projects that actors choose, uh, especially earlier in their careers. Yeah. Yeah, and I'd recommend it because like it's it's a very different stylistically. It's a very different style of superhero movies. Like no one's going to fault this movie for being a cookie cutter superhero movie. So if mm-hmm. you are looking for something that is a little out there uh, and something that is not your typical superhero movie, um, I think that this is that because it really does break the mold for what you expect for a superhero movie there's a lot of action and if you're looking for just like an over-the-top just opening sequence of a movie you can just watch the first five minutes of this movie and just say you know what that was great that was just yeah that was worth watching alone i would just recommend it for the first five minutes of the movie honestly you you won't see liam neeson but it'll be uh entertaining oh yeah absolutely and that wraps up our review of Darkman. Let us know what you thought of the movie on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And let us know what you thought of our review of the movie on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Leave us a review. It would really help us out. And be sure to tune in next time where we... Go back to the bat and get it on on Krypton. <laughs> that is right. With the Batman Superman movie. Uh, not Batman v Superman, but the animated Batman Superman movie colon world's finest. Uh, This is the uh, 1997 action uh, animated movie. First time that we ever saw Batman and Superman together on the same screen on your TV set. So we will be reviewing this movie right here on the Flashback Flicks podcast. Until next time, remember to be kind and rewind. Rewind.